It's the Right Hook Health Checkup. Well, every week, round about this time after the six o'clock news, Dr. Kira Kelly is in the studio and it takes your medical queries. Uh, I provide a lot of additional expertise, of course, on these medical matters, but you can send me a text to 53106, cost 30 cents. Uh, with any of your health concerns and if I can't answer it I'll pass it over to Dr. Kelly so uh, with us media superstar and uh, columnist with the Sunday Independent uh, Dr. Kira Kelly welcome to the programme Good evening George When did I see you last? Oh you were in here talking about women um, well interesting we're talking about women tonight because all pretty well all the queries are from women There you go you've got a it, big female following George No it clearly indicates that all these women are uh, you know just ringing up about you now what does an overactive bladder mean does that mean you go to the bathroom a lot yeah <clears throat> but she's 58 Una is yeah um, there's an overactive bladder, generally speaking, means this is is that you're kind of running to the loo all the time and it can be a combination of sometimes stress and urge incontinence too. So sometimes you don't always make it to the loo. You might actually wet yourself slightly before you make it to the loo. And then also um, sometimes people with overactive bladders find if they can't hold it, sometimes if they're coughing or sneezing that they wet themselves as well. So it can be a really nuisance factor in all somebody's right. life. But women's bodies are different men in this regard because with men, as I can testify to, the men's prostate in older age presses against the bladder. Or makes it, but women don't have a prostate, do no, they? No, they don't have a so prostate. So they have a different problem. What they, they what they have, generally speaking, is, is they have a weakness in their pelvic floor um, where the pelvic floor is like a sling that sits across the bottom of your pelvis. It keeps all your internal all right, organs okay. in place. Um, and when that becomes weak, people have problems. They also, both men and women, have sometimes problems with a thing called their detrusor muscle, which is the muscle that kind of releases from the bladder. And if that becomes a bit jittery, it can release... But you can, can fire get pills off. now. You can get pills. But what this woman made... My, my um, what kind of a surgeon? Urological surgeon. My urologist. He, t- he told me he could give me a pill and I'd be great. Yes. But this wouldn't be the exact same pill this lady would be getting, probably. Probably not. No. But, but just in relation to Una, and we have a lot of questions to get through. Like, I also discovered, like, by being clever about not drinking tea or coffee before I go to bed or, or things like that. Like, I'm not saying Una isn't clever about it, but, but sometimes we treat the bladder now as if it was the same when we were 30. Yeah. No, you have a point, but probably Una's overactive bladder isn't isn't the same as yours, George. She's probably not hopping up at night to do wheeze every five minutes. Oh, is she not? No. What, the first thing I would always say to any woman with pelvic floor problems is, is that they need to strengthen their pelvic floor. And how you do that really is either by seeing a physiotherapist or by getting your hands on a neuromuscular stimulator, which is not as scary as what? it sounds. It's a device that you can wrap around yourself, a garment-based device, I believe it's called, George. And you... I, I always demonstrate things here. I know. Well, you, you don't go away. Around, you wrap it around your Don't hip. go away. You wrap it around your hips and right. it passes a current across your pelvic floor and strengthens it. If that's not enough, there are tablets. If that's not enough, there there is surgery. But you, you should yeah. do something because I'd say Una's driven demented yeah. by this. Although I tell you, Una, the prospect of having electricity whipped across your pelvic There are floor. no internal probes or anything. It's just wrap around oh, garment. Okay. It's well, fine. I'm, I'm in favour of it anyway. Sean is on Embril for psoriatic uh, arthritis. He's also on uh, metho... Trexate. Methotrexate. Yeah. So what, yeah. what are you going to tell him? He's 41. 
what's happening here is that Sean is being moved off one form of a disease modifier for psoriatic arthritis onto another form of one. Um, what we don't know is exactly why he's being moved. We don't know if the methotrexate isn't, isn't holding him effectively enough, in which case I, I think it would be entirely reasonable to try to try a new drug or if it's more to do with the fact that the consultant just thinks, let's try some of these new, more modern uh, types of treatments. Um, I would be inclined to give it a go. Psoriatic arthritis is a nasty arthritis, George. It's something to do with psoriasis, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, although some people with psoriatic arthritis don't tend to have much in the way of psoriasis. Right. But you, it is that they're linked. And psoriasis is a horrible condition in that it really affects the skin quite badly in some cases. Right. But when you have the arthritis that goes with it, that's a ve- you think your gout is bad. Psoriatic arthritis right. is like rheumatoid arthritis. It's progressive and it's very painful for people and they do struggle with it a lot. I'm always entitled to ask one question on these programmes. Yeah, yeah, one. Well, I'm really interested in it because a, a distinguished medic in, in Britain has now come out and said, we have really done no study on this idea of indefinite medication. So in order to give somebody medication when they're 55 because they had a heart attack, and then we say to them, take it for the rest of your life. Okay. And he's saying, we actually have no um a, a real evidence based as to what effect it's having. For instance, fellows who have a heart attack, they then put them on blood thinners and aspirin, this, that, and the other yeah, thing. Yeah. Then suddenly a fella gets a stomach bleed as a result. Or what they're now finding, a lot of these fellows on post heart attack medications are suddenly uh, getting uncontrollable and unfixable coughing, for instance. Mm. Okay, you're talking about ACE inhibitors. Um, ACE inhibitors, yes. the very worst. And I'd say there's a ton of people listening on ACE inhibitors. ACE inhibitors are very commonly used. They're used not just after heart attacks, they're used to manage people's blood pressure as well. Um, and they're often used in people with diabetes. And one of the side effects of an ACE inhibitor, we've gone a bit off-road on our questions in from our listeners, one of the side effects is indeed cough. Um, and it is a dry, persistent cough. And you're quite right that sometimes even if we stop the ACE inhibitor, the cough doesn't necessarily go away. But I would argue with the eminent English medic that we're constantly doing studies of, of how people are when they're left on, on um, tablets for the rest of their lives because most people are on them. So that's that's looking at mortality outcomes all the time. And, and one of the things we look at mortality outcomes yeah, is what people are taking. But you can see why pharmaceutical companies make a truckload of money. If you turn do. around and say, George, you're as I am, like you're on Pradaxa now for the rest of your life. So that's like 30 years of Georgie buying Pradaxa every week. I'm, you, I'm, listen, I'm no shill for Big Pharma. I, I agree with you. And they do make a lot of money. The only thing I would say is when you are developing a new drug, the R&D that goes in tends to yeah. run into the millions and the millions. And, and yeah. so there has to be some payback. But then after that, it's very hard to justify um, why these guys make huge money long, long term. OK. MS sufferers have no control over the bladder, says Rob. You're right. No. Um, four episodes of bilary colic in 12 months last one lasted 12 hours uh, she's on a, she's 51 female she's on a low fat diet should I go for a scan for gallstones what's a bilary colic bilary colic George is what happens when you know where your gallbladder is it sits up here under your under your stop pointing we're on the radio under, under your you're so used to television <laughs> under your right ribs um, your 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 gallbladder sits just under your liver and it is a little sort of a squeezy bag and it squeezes out more or less the washing up liquid of the body which is bile. It's squeezed out um, into into your guts so that you're able to digest fat because you know you can't wash fat off a plate without a bit of soap. It's the same thing. You can't break down fat in the gut without a bit of bile. That's what bile does. Um, and, and 
what bothers me most about this question is this woman is saying I've had four attacks of biliary colic. Should I have a scan for gallstones? If she hasn't already had a scan for gallstones, how does she know she has biliary colic? So so she's self-diagnosed without a scan. I wouldn't even diagnose somebody with biliary colic without a scan, even though I might suspect that they have it. So absolutely, of course, she has a need for having this scan. An ultrasound is a non-invasive, simple scan. Get one now because we've no idea why she's having these attacks because we don't have a diagnosis. Okay, I'm sending out an appeal for sick men to ring in as we only have sick women. Bridget now is a hemochromatosis carrier. Yep. She wants to know, should she have... Transferrin saturation. It's very technical this week, the question. See, this is because the women are sending them yeah, in. So exactly. we're going to go... They know too we're much. We're going up a gear, they George. They know too much. Um, I actually think anybody who is, is carrying uh, the hemochromatosis gene or indeed has hemochromatosis, the main two tests, in fact, are your liver function tests and your ferritin levels. That's what you really want to know and, and, and your blood count. Um, so I wouldn't be worried too much about the more esoteric kind of iron studies, really. What you really want to make sure is that your, is that your hemoglobin isn't rising, your ferritin isn't through the roof and that your liver is doing okay. This and so I think she's, she might be worrying unduly here. All right, this hemochromatosis, she's a carrier. What does yeah. that actually mean? She can give it to her child. She or means something. she has a recessive gene. So so she's carrying hemochromatosis, but she's currently not suffering from hemochromatosis. Oh, oh, oh. Hemochromatosis, George, is also sometimes referred to as the Celtic disease because we have such a high incidence of it here in Ireland. Um, it's related to your iron. It is. You have excess iron storage and that can be damaging to the body, basically, is it in a nutshell. Now, D is worried sick. Right? Yeah. I met a, a rugby woman in New York one time and she was terribly worried and I took her up to a cancer clinic in the middle of, of Harlem and we were terrified but they looked after us free. You know, there's not much free medical care in America. But she had small fibroids. She had, But she had them in her breast. She didn't have them. They, D has them in her uterus. I would... Are you worried? I would suggest that your pal had fibroadenomas which are a slightly different thing. Oh, are they? Um, you're really putting it up to me to come How up with things. You know Spot she, diagnoses here today. How did you know she was my pal? Well, anyway, go anyway, on. Fibroids are, are, are a little bit different, George, and they're very common. So this woman, I'm not really sure why she's worried sick because fibroids are not a malignant condition. What fibroids are is they are um, growths, I suppose, but benign growths in the lining of the uterus. And usually the main cause is that they, they, they give you very heavy periods or they give you um, pain and stuff like that. But they're, they're not something that I would suggest anyone should be worried Orange. sick about. They're, they're, they're a, a mechanical fault and they can be dealt with surgically if needs be and I wouldn't deal with them at all unless they're causing you problems. Right, that's, what my, that's what the black doctor up in Harlem told my friend. What? That fibroids were no problem. Okay. Now, this fella is risking grossing George out. I can tell you nothing would gross George out. But could <laughs> he doesn't you, know you but, at but, all, but, George. But this, this sounds awful, nevertheless. Could you speak about pH balance in the lady parts? Now, the lady parts of your vagina, presumably. Oh, well done, George. Right, well, this lady parts are Because people don't say vagina very often. All right. It's at best annoying and at worst disgusting, not to mention a real sex inhibitor. pH is what? What's pH? Uh, they're referring to the acidic level. Uh, 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 oh, so it smells. Well, no, not necessarily. I think they're talking about more about the burning and, and the issues with those things. Um, what oh, burns? I think this person actually needs to go and, in fact, have a gynae examination because they may, in fact, have an infection, OK? Because most people's um, vaginas, we're going to keep saying vaginas over and over again because I wrote an article this week about how we don't say vagina. And we're I was say, reading it. And we're going to say it loads it. tonight. I was um, reading it. 
most people um, don't have burning and, and irritation and all that kind of stuff. But people do have burning and irritation when they have an infection. And very common infections would be like a yeast infection. That's very common, a fungal infection. But people also get a thing called BV, which is uh, bacterial vaginosis. And people get, yeah. get infected but that way. But men get that as well. Of course when... they do. These are just uh, bodies, George. This yeah. is body talk. And we shouldn't be scared about talking about Correct, it. Correct, yeah. um, this person I would suggest should go and have a swab and see if they have a, a, a commensal problem with bacteria or with yeast or something like that okay. and they should possibly have it treated and then get on and enjoy their sex life but sometimes people by the way do use um, condoms or lubricants that don't suit them so that might be um, an issue sexually and they may want to change what they're using if they're using something like that Alright Conor and Ross Farnham says hasn't seen any pharma product with a 30 year patent I didn't say patent I said patient uh, Conor and Ross Farnham uh, this is an interesting the men are ringing in but they're blown away by all the women like Esme who who uh, got bitten by an insect cleared up in a week and now she has a sore throat and hip pain that's quite interesting, isn't She's it? She's 54, seven um, and a half stone. Uh, do you know what? I'd love to say, oh, they're probably unconnected. But here's the thing. I have seen a huge amount of complications from insect bites. Oh, yeah. Where people get huge cellulitis, huge inflammatory and yeah, allergic reactions absolutely. and become quite unwell. If she is unwell and she feels it's something to do with that and she's getting hip pain and all, which it's not impossible that they are linked, uh, she should go and see uh, a, a, doctor. A, a proper doctor as opposed to Dr. Hook and Dr. Kelly. Yes. For a man has rung in, uh, save my bacon, Mike and Leash. This is an interesting thing and a lot of people do it. In his case, it's his eyes, dry and sore. Now, but interestingly, he says when he puts moisturising cream, it burns, it becomes itchy. Yeah. What he's obviously got is... Got the wrong moisturiser. Well, he's obviously quite inflamed around his eyes and whatever cream he's using is is burning. You look like an Egypt. I'll leave the poor fellow. No, but you would. You'd be very embarrassed by it. Yeah. Wouldn't Um, you? Stop giving out to me. Would you not be embarrassed? Well, you might look as if you were crying. Yeah, and you'd be embarrassed. I would suggest... Either half a percent or one percent hydrocortisone cream used. In, now they have to put a big codicil in here. It's not even licensed for use on your in your eyelids. Very very sparingly. What stuff listener. that you can't use? You want them to use very sparingly for about two days to get the inflammation down. Very sparingly for about two days, twice a day, tiny amount of like either half a percent or one percent hydrocortisone, and then you stop it and you you switch to one of the uh, emollients that are suitable for eczema that won't irritate your skin. So you're switching to something like a vino or something like that. Yes. But but that kind of thing. Yes. There are a number of listeners deeply unhappy with my quackery in relation to medication. Well, we, we have no time for their, their criticism on this <laughs> no, show, George. No. Now, this is really interesting because I'm going to give a quack answer, <laughs> right? Uh, I have a huge problem with night sweats, usually 40 minutes after falling asleep. Now, can I just put a, a, this a simple thing to you before we okay. get complicated? Okay. Isn't there an issue generally with our bedrooms in that we, we, we either wear they use the wrong kind of bed clothes or we don't open the window or we have the heating uh, on. Sometimes it, in modern I'm not, homes. I'm not trying to diminish yeah, Sometimes in modern forth. homes. But don't you, don't you have to consider that also when you're talking about night sweats? No? You have you ever agree? had night sweats? Do you know what they are? Because you can't, I don't, don't even go there, Hook. 
<laughs> Don't even go there. All the time. The dirtiest all look the, across your face. Time. Night sweats are when you literally pump That's sweat. That's what he says. Yeah, That's and, and, what and you're drenched in sweat. Now, there are loads of different reasons f- for having them and, and some of them are fine and some of them are, are not. I don't know if this is a man or a woman, okay? So if it is a woman, this could be menopause, okay? And we don't know the age either because women get night sweats in the menopause. Yeah. The if, menopause gives you everything. Let, let it just, let's park the menopause one second. Are there other reasons? Yes, there are. And in fact, there are some medical conditions like a chronic infection can give you night sweats. So like people who had TB maybe didn't, I'm not saying this person has TB at all, but you know what I mean? Chronic infections can give you night sweats. Um, certain types of unpleasant diseases that we, we're not going to frighten people with, but they can give you night sweats. So this person needs to go and have a blood test all right. at a minimum. But also stress can give you night sweats too. The only time I ever had night sweats in my life was when I was an intern and I would be lying on top of of a bed in the matter, pumping sweat, waiting for really? my, bleep, my bleep to go off. Now, the only thing I say, like, whenever he's given out about Dr. Crack, like, the, the listener, him or herself, says, tested all different types of detergent in bed linen. So, actually, I hadn't read the last sentence. He actually was, he or she was doing what I was actually yeah. suggesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you should look at the simple thing first yeah. is all I'm trying to say. Common things are common. You're absolutely right. Instead of queuing up down Greystones outside uh, GP's Then office, where would we be, Ger? Clutching your 60 quid. She prefers a 50 and 10. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, this is interesting. I don't even charge 60 quid. You're so this mean. 12-year-old has autoimmune disease. JRA. Uh, what's JRA? Juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, no. Yeah. That's terrible. It's very hard. It's very hard. Now, and it's very specialised management. Um, because now it's developed a spinal infection and chronic pain. It, my actual heart goes out to them because kids yeah. with this get, they get swollen joints and painful joints. And they can't move their joints and, and they do get septic joints and they, they really get horrendous side effects from this when they're young and, and the treatments are not what they should be. Um, but I, I won't be able to answer this question adequately. This needs to be talked with over with a paediatric rheumatologist because there are new things coming down the line from places like uh, America and there are new trials and things and sometimes people right. can get there but but it is very technical it's very high tech and even with our superior skill George right. I think we, we might seem, kick that one to we touch We seem to be peeing a lot on the programme Owen is 28 Speak for yourself He feels pain mostly at night when he urinates and then uh, what about a stubborn urine infection that Tony has? He's looking for an antibiotic. Uh, here's the if thing. You re- if you propose an antibiotic, I'll go mad. Because everybody wants an antibiotic now. They want an antibiotic George, for everything. George, how long have you known me, in fairness? Okay, first, first up, a man with a urinary tract infection needs to see a urologist because it is much less common for a man to have a urinary tract infection than for a woman. Well, anatomically, we're a little bit different, George. And that's, All right, that's, I hadn't noticed. And that's how that works. Um, but a man, and you can have an uncomplicated urinary tract infection as a man, but you need to be seen because often it's associated with some other kind of a problem, like maybe an abscess or something like that. Or, or, or uh, a holiday in Poland for the World Cup. Stop now. We are not suggesting this poor devil has a, an STI. We are saying... But, you, but, but I mean, but you could have. Well, he Why could are you pussyfooting around? He yes. could have. He could have. But he definitely needs to be checked and he needs to go and see a urologist because why has he got a chronic urinary tract infection? He shouldn't have. STIs are increasing at a geometrical progression. Yes. And to be pussyfooting around. No, no. I, I, well, I didn't mean to pussyfoot around, but yeah. I just want to presume... It could be. Well, it could be. Yeah, I, I can't say it's I not. I tell you, if I got a pain when I was having a pee, 
I, I'd be going, I'd be down to the dock as fast as my size 10s could carry me. Okay. Well, would you not agree? I know I do agree. I'm sure you all you ever say to me is you send everyone to the doctor and you're only looking to make all money. All right. Yeah, no, he should be checked. And the other fella, I can't remember what the other question was because you asked me it so long ago. He gets a pain. The first fella gets a pain. No, that's not normal either. Exactly. They both need to see a doctor. Like, symptoms are there for a reason. They are. They are a message to you. Yeah. I mean, just everybody's given out to Dr. Quack, but like sometimes. Um, What about sneezing? And you then get a pain down your left arm. Um, I'm delighted this question came up again because we were asked this question uh, once before, months and months ago. And I just started laughing and I actually said, sure, I haven't a clue. And I was contacted by a neurologist to say, whoa, that is somebody who has a disc pressing on a nerve. Yeah? Yeah. And what they need to do is go and see the doctor and they need to have an MRI of their neck. Because that's why you get shooting pain down your arm. Because when you sneeze, you know the motion of yeah, sneeze, uh, yeah. chew and you throw your head forward. Um, it's jerking the disc. The disc is pinching a nerve. They've got trapped nerve in their neck and it needs to be looked at. Well, that's worth a lot more than 60 quid. Yeah. That's definitely 120 quid yeah, that's, that's neurology for you. Oh, no, that's absolutely brilliant. Oh, yeah. The HPV jab. Mm-hmm. This was the Mary Harney school of things that she was going to give it to every child in the country. Yeah, that's cur- Lest they get HP- vaginal uh, cancer. Or cervical. Something. Cervical, not vaginal, but cervical cancer, yes. And tons of people thought it was a bad idea. Mm, I don't know who. Well, there are links between the HPV jab and depression and a pile of other things. Um, actually, there the, are. Whoa, you, whoa, well, hold on. Recently, there's been a big, huge European-wide audit of the HPV virus, vaccine rather that says that it is um, safe and a lot of the things that are being ascribed to it as, as being side effects have not in any way been proven and cannot be presumed to be the case. Yeah, but you see, if they were all that clever, right, we would never have had the thing that they gave to pregnant women that produced deformed babies. They would never have had a bundle of other things that came out of the the pharmaceutical industry and there were side effects. I'm going to say it here. It's like my Rogaine that I put on my head to try and grow my hair. That started originally uh, for heart conditions and then it didn't fix the fella's heart but he was growing hair on the palm of his hands. I'm going to say it very clearly and very unequivocally here vaccines in the main are very safe safer than contracting the diseases that they present, prevent well, why would you and give vaccines it to a- are probably the most important game changing function of medicine we have probably saved more lives through vaccination programs than any I'm other not form of medicine with you on the planet yeah, you finish as usual gave it a sympathy vote uh, and I was it. that looking for a sympathy you vote you were of course yeah I, you know uh, but the thing is there, there was a doubt about giving it to young girls and you know no, there, was. there was oh okay I know what you're talking about you're what? talking about the argument that if we give that some kind of going to promote promiscuity you're giving it to 12 year olds that thing no. Because that, that was said, why don't we give it to them when they're 18? No. They shouldn't be having sex. No. Well, they shouldn't. Uh, next Monday, back uh, with the right hook health checkup.